Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Gamble. Kathleen Dollar is here. We're going to be talking to her in a bit. But first, I uh, want to see how you're doing up there in the great north, Mr. Campbell. Well, great northwest. You know, we're recording this in June. It's publishing in July. We're fairly far ahead right now. It's a side mm-hmm. effect of doing lots of conferences. And so uh, hopefully we're not on fire because, you know, yeah. it seems like July, August is fire season these days. But mm. uh, we're only a few days before my wife, my my wife, my daughter gets married. So it's a little things are a little frantic around here, too, but mm-hmm. all in a good way. And yeah. uh, and very excited for them and and this interesting new state of being. So I'm uh, I'm delighted. Here in uh, Connecticut, in my neighborhood, we have what's called redneck season. Oh well, yeah. When the sun comes out and it warms up a little bit, we start to hear shotgun blasts next door <laughs> as they take target practice with big shotguns, like right in their backyard. And uh, it hasn't happened yet this year, but last year, man. Shotguns are loud. Like, that's boom. It's not pop, yeah, pop, and pop, it's, pop. It's, it's usually, like, at the end of the day, you know, you're, gotta, you're out on the deck, like, the magic hour. You got a glass of wine. You're enjoying the peace and tranquility of the forest behind in the babbling brook and the birds and all that. And all of a sudden, <laughs> blam, blam, blam. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if it wasn't your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's uh, what's going on in our neck of the woods. Let's roll the crazy music for Better Noah Framework. All right, dude, what do you got? All right, well, um, you, you know what a Yoda condition is? Uh, isn't that a condition where you, you know, are 900 years old and green? Well, yeah, but I mean, if you had to guess, what would a Yoda condition, first of all, a condition is if this equals that, or if this is greater than that. So how would Yoda express a condition? Uh, I I guess backwards, right? Right. Yeah. So if variable equals value is the normal condition structure, a Yoda condition is if value equals variable. (laughs) So it's sort of like the opposite of clean code, you know? (laughs) One equals X. Yeah. (laughs) Is this a good idea? I don't, I don't think so. I know. I don't know, but uh, it sure would, uh, it was sure would make people mad. Yeah. No kidding. It's kind Mm. of nest. Well, anyway, so there's a, a post. This is show 1803. So if you go to 1803.plop.me, this is a blog post on knowthecode.io called Yoda Conditions by Tanya Mark. And it's a good read. So I would uh, suggest it. All right. So something to read and decide carefully. I yeah. can buy into that. Because, you know, Lord knows there's a lot of stuff that's uh comes across your phone or whatever that you don't really want to read no um <laughs> so this might be fun okay awesome who's talking to us richard grabbed a common topic show 1691 the one we did with kathleen back in june of 2020 too long ago uh yeah. we actually we're talking about vb.net if you can believe it we got a lot of comments on that show yeah, plenty yeah. actually this is this particular comment again two years ago now is from sylvester Alale, who says uh vb.net is a far older language than c sharp i don't think that's true i think they came out well, almost VB. exactly the same time vb is the language 
Yeah, but VB and VB.net had nothing to do with each other. Yeah, so that statement right there just shows some either lack of attention to detail or ignorance. Yeah, wait. I mean, if you're going to talk about basics, like what's the first basics from the 1960s? Yeah. So that's even further back. Um, but he go, but Sylvester goes on to say, if I bet if we take all the flavors of basic or just all the flavors of visual basic, of course, there's only two, uh, VB still boasts a broader range and number of applications of C sharp. Nah, I don't think that's true either. I think the amount, the expand, the rate of growth of software development has been so massive that 20 years of C sharp developers has probably outgunned visual basic by a long way. Well, I know somebody who would know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet we do. Um, yeah, Kathleen, you want to jump in there? Well, I I think that um, first of all, I don't know how many applications there are in the languages out in the wild, nor do I know how important they are. I do think that it's an interesting question because there are VB applications, VB even prior to VB.net applications, mm-hmm. they're still in the wild. A friend yep. of mine complains about having to maintain one that is 25 years old and is still yeah. running a business and works just fine i remember hearing a number about vb developers like six million vb developers at the peak of visual basic popularity i don't know if it was quite that high that might surprise me a little bit if it was that high but it was very i mean it was very high there was initially no c-sharp developers and then there was a long time mm. it was an even split um, and now, as as we you know publicly said, there are many more C sharp developers today than there are VB developers. But how yeah. that is in the wild? Because to be honest, we see we think of our applications differently right now. The idea that sure. we would write an application to still be running in twenty five years is almost inconceivable today. To still be yeah. running in five years? Oh, I hope so. You know, but to think on these long time horizons, we yeah. just don't do anymore. So my yeah. guess is there's still Clipper apps out there. You know. Um, Probably not a whole lot uh, because of the window. Fewer. I, I admit, I recently fired up a VB6 app on a Win 11 machine, uh-huh. and it worked flawlessly. Yeah. You know, in the end, under the hood, that's still all MFC ATL, and that's still fundamental to Windows. The VB runtime ships with the OS by default, like, mm. works just fine. Now, Sylvester's a VB believer, so he's going to go on to say... VB.net is the language that does what Microsoft wants. It's inviting enough for beginners and powerful enough for professionals. Without VB.net, I wonder how many developers would have adopted .NET. Yeah, no, that's an interesting view on on history because you know VB .NET was really presented with C Sharp first, and VB.net was there at the same time. So you know, there's a lot of folks that developed that way. Yeah, you know, we always wind up in our silos. It's not how I remember the beginning. I remember the beginning when VB had a demonstrably better experience because it had it mm. continued for years and years before uh, before C Sharp got it. C Sharp had this little tiny parser that did some warnings, but very little. And you actually had to compile to get, you know, to get the experience. So for the first two or three years, C Sharp was a demonstrably worse experience. But it did get some really good hype. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody loves Anders, including me. And so there was a lot of people that followed that. And we got, you know, there, there was an original um, split that, that then kind of changed over time. I don't know exactly how how that went. But I would say that initially they were intended for different audiences. And that back in the day we had the horrible personas whose names I will not repeat. Nope, <laughs> don't do it. One of them being the common case. And that was actually DB. Um, and C sharp being for the, uh, for the developer that was looking for something different. And, you know, I, I have come over time to believe that actually curly brackets 
hit deep in people's hearts, and I do not know why. But, you know, the, the curly bracket, not curly bracket thing, which also plays out in F-sharp and Python. So it's not right. just C-sharp VB. Um, actually, it's it's something that that matters more than a, more than some other things, even more than the semicolon, uh, which is a di another difference between you know F sharp. I switched over to C sharp very. I had a lot of VB code. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to migrate. The migration tools came years later, and I found myself confused trying because I had VB reflexes trying to write VB.net. When mm -hmm. I wrote C sharp, I knew I wasn't writing VB. And so, you know, it made my life easier. I'm speaking a different dialect. But by the time I was working on programming C sharp, I was on my sixth or seventh language. Yeah. You know, that was the 2000s. I'd already been programming for 20 years, right? Like, yeah. It, it just was not a big deal to switch, but it was clearer in my head that I was writing something new working in C sharp. Hey, are you still answering an email? I am. Okay, we it's still tied into that. Continue this conversation. Yeah, hey Sylvester, thank you so much for your comment. And a copy of Music Code by it's on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music Code by. And before we jump into this conversation, I really have to formally introduce Kathleen Dollard. She is on the .NET team at Microsoft, where she works on .NET managed languages, C Sharp and VB.NET. She's always ready to help developers. Take the next step in exploring the wonderful world we call code. Okay, Kathleen, back to you. Two things. First of all, I'm so sorry. There's apparently a typo in what I sent you because it's also F sharp. Yeah, that's right. Say it right now. My, my problem, I sent you something with a typo. Oops. Uh, and the second no thing is I do want to follow up one more thing on Sylvester, which is when we talked about VB being there for a long time, we have a commitment to Visual Basic. And yep. while we are not changing the language, we've announced that, we talked about that, um, we are committed to the language. We are committed to the developers that are working in those languages and your applications. That's why we moved Visual Basic to uh, the .NET Core, .NET 6. Um, there are enough differences that it may be challenging for you, and I can't help that because it's the .NET, .NET Core problem. Um, mm. But, yeah, and we're continuing to work on WinForms. Well, and WinForms has been modernized into the .NET core stack anyway, right? You've, yeah. the, new, the new approach. I love Windows Forms. Yeah, it's still wildly productive. Hey, and Martin Runge has made it into the chat. He's a long-time listener to .NET Rocks. Hey, Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, thanks Martin. for figuring out Bullhorn for us. I know it was a battle for you because, you know, from a stranger foreign land. But he says, I've recently reintroduced to VB.NET again, and I think it's pretty sweet. C-sharp seems to be getting a bit too hard for me. I am so tired of semicolons. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I studied Visual Basic for a long time, and I will say the most I've ever brought a house down in terms of laughter was when I typed a semicolon in VB, and I still don't understand why. Yeah, right. Look, <laughs> I remember Chris Snells used to say that when he did demos in VB.net, in the early days, he would do a, a comment and a semicolon. Oh, because no. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to put that semicolon in there. And it actually is, is something that, you know, that, um, it, you know, if you, we can, we can talk about C sharp and, and, you know, how that is moving and all. But if you want a stable language that is going to look the same in, mm -hmm. you know, it looks the same now as it did pretty much, you know, three or four years ago, uh, and we'll, Look, probably look the same in three or four years. This is not a 
it's not unimportant. I mean, it's not for everybody, but if, if you had that long-term time horizon as part of your ethic, as part of your being, as part of your job requirement, then it's there for you. And, you know, is, is it the world that if I was king of the world, I would have built? I'm not sure. I don't run. I don't know, but it's the world we live in. And I do think that, that we want to look at that, um, that benefit from visual basic is a very stable language and it will remain a very stable language. Yeah. No, and, and that is one of its strengths. Yeah. That you, you can count on it. Because C Sharp, I mean, I'm astonished. Here you are working on version 11. It's like, when are you done? Oh, never. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're st it's still a journey. We still have some, uh, you know, we have a, we have a big thing that, that we, we have on the horizon that we may or may not do and that will probably not be until C Sharp 13, but we're having conversations about it. We've mentioned right. it before, things around shapes, extensions, roles, this whole space. We, we still think about that space. Um, you know, there, there's a ton of things we still think about. So at this point, I don't know. Plus, that runtime just keeps pushing us. They say, ah, oh, well, if we did this, we could go faster. And now right. that it's a partnership between the runtime and the language, which it was not until uh, you know, we've been evolving that partnership over the last three to five years. And it's really good right now. And that's part of why uh, .NET itself has gotten so fast is because when we do something that improves, when we partner with the runtime for something they want, everyone benefits from that, no matter what sure. language they're personally writing in because the runtime is going better. Well, and, and .NET 6 showed off serious performance improvements. Like you took your .NET 5 app and just recompiled it on .NET 6. And you're like, wow. Uh -huh. Yeah, and we'll be doing some more for, for .NET, uh, .NET 7 and um, especially some of the numbers around ASP.NET for the, the .NET 5, .NET 6, and .NET 6, .NET 7. I don't know who's going to win the most in that, but I, this is, we're not, we're not going to stop that anytime soon. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take a, uh, um, a nod from Java and just stop innovating altogether. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Um, but you know what though? I mean, if somebody calls themselves a, a C sharp programmer today, you almost have to ask a second question. Oh, which version do you code in? Because, you know, you can look at something that's written with all the new features of C sharp 10 and things and, uh, give it to a, a someone who is a C sharp developer and they won't understand it. Right. And, and I worry about that a lot. Um, and a lot of folks that work with me also think about that a lot. And the mitigation, one of the mitigations we have is to, um, you can bring things forward and occasionally backwards via uh, IDE tools, mostly in Visual Studio, where mm -hmm. if there's something, you know, just take file scope namespaces. It's a pretty popular feature where instead of saying namespace, blah, open um, uh, curly and always at the bottom of the file and right. close curly. You can just say namespace blah semicolon. Okay. Yeah. The C sharp nine developer will look at that and go, wait, where's my namespace? But in, in the IDE, if you just say namespace blah semicolon, it says, oh, you didn't want those curlies. We're getting rid of them. And so it'll automatically <laughs> clear the curly for you. So yeah, so we, we do some things to try to make it easier, but it's something I think a lot about and, and we're not ready to, uh, you know, to tie down the language, but at the same time, yeah, it, it is, I, I realize it's challenging uh, sometimes for people. So shall we talk about C Sharp 11? Yeah, let's do it. And uh, Yeah. So what's it like working on a language like that? You know, building a new version of a language. Yes. Yeah, so I imagine it's very 
uh, what shall I say? You have to be very careful, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, and before we jump into that, do you, do you have the ability to do a poll? Can we just ask people? Because we have a couple Let's, things about uh, it getting hard, about it um, going too fast. I, I'd love poll. to hear what people overall think if we have enough. Poll. There's the poll. Is C sharp moving too fast? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for that. Okay. So and let me just back up a second because you all know me and we've known each other for so many years. And, and so mm-hmm. not everybody who's listening will understand this. This is like the job of my dreams. I mean, if I was to talk to somebody and say, do what you love and you may wind up there. I know not everybody's as lucky as I am. And a lot of people, people I know, you know, work really hard at things that they love and it, it doesn't land them somewhere. But I was, um, I, I love developers and how they think about code. That's the most fascinating thing in the world to me is how mm-hmm. developers think about the code they write. So I come to the languages space with that perspective where I work with these people that, oh, they hurt my head sometimes because they're, they're so able to, to know the nooks and crannies of how we would go wrong. It's like, well, we want to do this. Oh, that looks like a really good idea. And somebody over yeah. there can go, oh, but if we do that, the blog, the blog, the blog, the blog, the blog, and there's badness down there. And we're like, oh, I'm glad we didn't do that. So it's, it's amazing. Sometimes something rises up to the public, like the, um, the bang bang operator. And then we decide, no, nah, not such a good idea after it's gone public, but it's amazing. Just amazing. How I many dozens and dozens of ideas get nipped that, that really aren't actually at the end as good as they look, um, early. And that being part of that process, being part of that collaboration with this team, uh, depending on the day and what we're doing between Sometimes a small group, three people, or maybe just Mads and I, all the way yeah. up to, uh, you know, 20, 30 people um, that are giving feedback at any given time to be part of that collaboration is absolutely the most amazing experience of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the results of the poll, Richard? Uh, the vast majority are saying that C Sharp's moving just right. Nobody's saying too slow. Might have been a vote for too fast in there, but that's fine. It's- I think that was a missed click. Might have been a misclick. Because, of course, the reality is just because you pushed out new features to us doesn't mean we have to use them. Well, true. Th- this is true, but there's also something else that I've been working with Bill Wagner since about the first of the year on, and that's that we made a shift, um, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, from having the central feature that's all we really talked about, and then you might see sub, you know, subpoints or footnotes about 10 other features that we put in. And right. it gave people a way to understand the language. And then we abandoned that when we went to, especially in the last three years, as we went to the timed releases. And a year is too short for us to do that kind of big, you know, here's what we're doing and we'll release it when it's ready. Um, we are doing these, these stepwise. We're on these journeys instead, but we haven't talked about that very well. So mm-hmm. I've been on an effort to imp- improve our um, use of previews and our feedback from that. So the big things we've done is that what's new is now in docs from the time it goes into preview. Thanks so much to Bill Wagner for all his very hard work making that happen. But if you go to what's new right now, you're going to see what's new in C Sharp 11 on all the previews. And if you go to certain docs articles like pattern matching, you're going to see something like the new list patterns in the pattern matching article with a note as to when it comes into the language. So it's it's a lot of extra work for Bill. Sometimes he has to pull something out and it's just, but it's, it's just been so, to me, it makes it so much easier to tell the story. It seems like a very living document that as things appear, he's going to ha- constantly be editing. 
So that rather than waiting till the end. And, and so that's been a lot of work across a lot of people because our communications, mm-hmm. we found out wasn't good enough for him to really know. So we've just, we've, we've had a lot of things that have backed that effort. And then the other thing that lets me do is to tell the story in our blog posts. And we won't do a blog post on every single preview right now, probably. Um, but it lets me tell the story of a feature rather than having to tell you the how to use it part. So you can get the how to use it part in docs, which I can reference in the blog post. And that just, it makes it easier for me to say, yeah, this feature right here, you don't care about that. <laughs> you just don't care about that. <laughs> so there, there's a thing that we've got about cache, uh, cache delegates are, are behave differently. Okay. I mean, I'd have to go look mm-hmm. it up to find out exactly what it is. You look at the feature status page and I'm like, you don't care about this. Like the runtime cares about this. It'll just make some things, things work better. You actually don't care about this or things like being able to put a new line in the middle of an interpreted string. Um, in the part that's code inside the curly brackets. Now you can put a new line there. It's just like that should have always worked. I don't have to talk about that. Right. So <laughs> it's so much easier not to have to say, well, this is what this feature is. Instead, I can just say, Hey, look, Hey, you can do these new things now. This is what you always thought was going to work. Um, and now right. it works. And so there's a lot of things that we can do to focus on the important journeys we're taking now that they're not like one big thing for a release, but we do have these specific journeys we're on. And one of them is around performance, although seven doesn't have a lot that clearly falls into that. And the right. work we did on managing memory, um, so you could access stack-based um, memory in new ways, in different ways, and that's had a lot to do with performance in the runtime. Now, if you think you're interested in that, you know, the, the, the way that casually I put that, and not meaning to insult anybody, but bring your own compiler. I mean, bring your own profiler. If you're not used to using a profiler, don't go play in that space because it's just right. it's a very advanced space. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we can take a feature like that and say, well, you know, now you can do pattern matching on read-only span of char. And if you are in that world, you care a lot about that. For everyone else, it's not important. And that's right. what I want to help people to understand. I tweeted out about the blog post around the new generic math features coming in C-sharp 7 and got an almost immediate response from Seth Juarez going, not enough. But then he is literally a mathematician, right? Has, right. has a degree in math. And uh, If you guys work on his PhD, I don't know if you finished it, but yeah, Seth is, is absolutely brilliant. I will yeah. say it's a lot. Um, the, the new iNumber interface has like, Maybe 50, 60 things on it. Um, oh, it's shockingly complicated and happily yeah, yeah. most people will only care because it just makes things work better. And if you do have a reason that you want to do a, you want to take a generic and constrain it to a number, then when you use it, yes, you will have a large number of things to, that you can access. But you probably just wanted the operator. You probably just wanted the simple stuff, and that'll be easy to get to. Right. And that's what we got with the statics interfaces. Statics in interfaces feature was to allow us to say that we could have operators and static methods and static properties. So you need a zero in order to do math. So that like the, right. the most right. simple math is plus and other operators plus zero, and there's maybe one or two other things. In order to make it work right with all the types that are incorporated, you need it to be kind of big. 
and Tanner Gooding, who's done that work, is absolutely brilliant. How much of that code is C Sharp and how much of that code is .NET? Well, it's, it's kind of the same. <laughs> it's kind of the same, Richard. So it, it's in C Sharp. Most of, most of .NET is written in C Sharp. So it, oh, oh, that's not the question you were asking. I'm sorry. Um, the question you were asking is, is this in the runtime or is this in C Sharp? And the answer is both. And F Sharp right. will get those features. So the, the, the thing about the static and interface is it, it requires language work. And that work has been done for C Sharp. It is in process right. for F Sharp and it is not planned for VB. VB will be able to use the concrete types, which is what we believe VB needs and is the right thing for VB for sure. But it will not be able to do some of the fancier things that we'll be able to do in the other languages, including defining new types that are number types, if you have a reason to want to do that. That's all in the runtime. The, the underlying stuff in the runtime, iNumber's in the runtime, but being able to use iNumber requires help with the language. That is the simplest way I can put it, is, yeah, being able to okay. implement iNumber. Does that make sense? Because it is a really important yeah. point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a, this is the partnership. Sometimes you can't tell the difference. No, and, and you got it, and you do want to know where things land. Yeah. Uh, I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but there's a question from uh, Bazad Sefi, I'll say Sefi, who said, uh, accessing the value tuple t- items by index feature would be highly appreciated, like tuple X of three, access by index. That's really that's really interesting. So you want to be able to get, so I, I have two comments on that. One is I'd love to hear the scenarios a little bit more. Well, several mm-hmm. comments. Um, one is I'd love to see that on the uh, C Sharp Lang repo, uh, which is um, .NET C Sharp Lang, and you could put an issue there or start a discussion, either one. So those are two things. And then the other thing that's just the nickel in the back of my head is, is that going to encourage people to do massive tuples, which we don't think is a particularly good idea? And one of the reasons that we wanted to, in the way we thought about records, was this is a grow-up story for tuples that got complicated. And you wanted to right. access individual members. That's a quadruple tuple. Uh, yeah. Well, we still can't do wumples. So that's a tuple of one. How about three pulls? We can do three pulls. <laughs> we just can't do wumples. <laughs> uh, yeah, zipples. Yeah, we can't do zipples either. No zipples or wumples. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have some serious syntax issues around the way that we, we define tuples. There's serious syntax issues around simple but mm-hmm. uh, and i think those may come into one plus two famous misquotes nobody will ever need more than two yeah yeah well you know <laughs> tuples are fine more than two but uh we we don't really think they're the best answer more than maybe three yeah or maybe return a class turn an object of a class at some point yeah, yeah yeah and folks i need to interrupt for one moment for this very important message Hey, this is Carl, and if you haven't heard my new podcast, Security This Week, you're missing out on an extremely serious look at the week's hacks and what they mean to you. Check out this little clip to get a hint of the searing insights you'll get by listening to Security This Week. If three people have a secret and two are dead, you can keep the secret. Remember that. (laughs) (laughs) More wisdom from Patrick Hines. Thank you very much. I think that's a Russian proverb, actually. Yeah, I know a yeah. lot of people who open a bazillion tabs and never actually reboot and just keep it all open. Who would do that? I could give names, but <laughs> I think I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, we should be uh, rebooting every day. I reboot every day. 
Yeah. Honestly, I yeah, add that and your cell phone once a week. Those are yep. um those are some strong recommendations. You should reboot every day and you should shower every day, whether you need it or not. That's your STW homework, <laughs> kids. <laughs> but if you get to pick one, reboot. <laughs> reboot over shower. <laughs> Ew. So I plugged in my webcam and it didn't work. So I unplugged it, plugged it in, couldn't get it to work. So I had this other webcam that I bought. It's kind of a no-name webcam, you know? I think it was made in China. Or Moscow. And I got it because it it was cheap. (laughs) And I plugged it in, and all of a sudden, I looked like a colorized Ted Turner movie. (laughs) It works great. It looks terrible. (laughs) What you'll find is a great feature of that camera is there's no turning it off. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's actually 4K, so you get twice the size of crap. (laughs) go to securitythisweek.com or listen however you get your podcasts you'll thank me later and we're back it's dotnet rocks i'm richard campbell that's carl franklin here i am and talking to our friend kathleen dollard about her work on the next version of c sharp and all the cool stuff that's going on here uh changes in initialization or improvements in initialization yeah this is this is a journey you know we had i said we had these journeys we have a performance journey we have a right journey we have this initialization journey which has been that one's probably going to end i think we're at the end of that one <laughs> famous last one so the first right. thing we did is we said oh let's let you initialize an object we'll have the curly bracket you say a property you give it a value cool we're done and then people came back and said, oh, what about scope? In order for that to work, we had to expand the scope of our properties and setting our properties in a way that we don't want to do it. So can you help us? And so we said, great, we'll create this thing called an init scope. And init scope allows, um, it's open from the time that the object is created until the end of initialization. So inside those curly brackets in your calling code, you can uh, set values. Well, that's great, except that we didn't do the last piece, which is to allow property or field to declare itself as being required. So what that means is that if you set a property as being required, and then your user does their initialization and they neglect to set that property, they get the error, not you. Mm. So mm. this is getting, so what we want to do is adjust the world here so that the right person gets the right error at the right time so they can <laughs> So, so they can fix it. We're not being mean. We just want people. Yeah, to be yeah. Able no, you're trying to make right? it easier to do the right thing. Right. So yeah, yeah. now you can. You know, you were forced if you wanted that control to. You know, to you. You were forced previously to use a constructor, and constructors are great sometimes, and sometimes they can be fragile. They require ordering, which means if you have a lot of booleans or a lot of something else, it can be very confusing to read unless the people calling you use named parameters, but that's up to them. So it's easy to write unreadable code. So instead now you can use initialization. You can say this is required within an init scope and then your the users of your class will be able to instantiate it, do the curly bracket, set the properties, and if they neglect to set one that you said was required, then it uh then they get an error. And mm. and you'd think we would have done this earlier, except that that sounds like a really easy feature. And it was mm-hmm. astoundingly difficult, absolutely huh. astoundingly wow. difficult. Um, and it, it was it was an interesting journey to get to the other side of that. Um, 
we did a couple of things that made it harder, which we dropped. And then uh, the bottom line is, if we had no inheritance, it would have always been easy. But with inheritance and getting that right was actually right. So anyway, it's it's uh, it's merged, and we should. Uh, I'm not sure which preview that went into. Um, if people want to follow along with C Sharp, the place to do that is the Roslyn repo uh, .net slash GitHub .net Roslyn, um, and then uh, yeah, in there uh, feature status. So if you you can just you can just go to to your favorite search engine and say uh, uh, C Sharp feature status or Roslyn feature right. status, Roslyn feature status, yeah. and that'll get you. Yeah, I said C. I searched on C Sharp uh, feature status and got to the Roslyn repository. Yeah, feature yeah, status. that feature status page. So getting that so that it's reliable is is one of the things we did as part of this communications effort. So Martin in the chat room here on Bullhorn says should have removed inheritance, tongue in cheek, you know, wink. And I'm just I want to say to Martin, Martin, aren't you glad that Microsoft didn't? add multiple inheritance to C-sharp. <laughs> Remember that discussion back in yeah. whatever it was, 2001? Yeah, except that we kind of did. <laughs> so if you uh, if you ignore state, which is an important part of the story, I mean, that's like saying you ignore multiple inheritance. But uh, right. now that we've got default interface methods and we've got static interfaces, statics in interfaces, mm. now we have this uh, this very powerful interface mechanism that has code has stuff um and it is multiple it can be multiply assigned and so we did wind up buying into some of the reasons that we didn't do multiple inheritance in the first time diamond problems right. and that kind of thing but we have stayed away from state from multiple sources so you have only yeah. one stack for your state everything else is uh kind of for grabs now but multiple interface implementations is the way to do that isn't it and it's a better one. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the, the old style multiple implementations, which is a very good way because then your class remains uh, in itself. But now that yeah. you can also put code into interfaces, then that you can't guarantee that code is always going to be inside. Yeah, but who would do class. that? <laughs> Nobody does that. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> it's an interface. It's not a class. Yeah, it's yeah. a code out. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Somebody obviously needs to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I know you casually mentioned uh read-only span of car, but in general, pattern matching is getting new features. Yeah, pattern matching is another journey that we've been on, and that one we may never end. We, we just mm -hmm. you know, so there are only ever new patterns. Yeah, there, there's there's complicated reasons it was theoretically hard to do. Um, read only, which means we had to get over a bridge that was, was, was a difficult bridge for us as designers to cross. Um, so, but we decided it was worth crossing for that case. And so we've got that. We also have, uh, list patterns. And I'm, I think this radio is not going to show that very well, but that is already in, uh, docs. And so it's both in the what's new and it's also in the pattern matching article, uh, in docs. So if anybody's interested in that, basically you can say, Hey, if this list, starts with one, two, three, then I'm interested in it. If this list starts with a one and ends with a three, I'm interested in it. So and right. th that one and three are actually patterns. So you can get crazy here. <laughs> and I hear Bill's yeah, working yeah. on a, a new demo to show how crazy you can get. But I don't think he's got that done yet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so get going into the it's your foot features. 
Yeah. Well, at least if you want somebody to read your code. Uh, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Once you're up to three equal signs in a row, aren't you in trouble? We're, we haven't done that yet. We have not yet okay. done that. We say we won't. Yet. We say okay. we won't. We say we will not. So I, I have a, the language designers and they, can you imagine getting that past Anders? I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think Stop. you get it past anybody. Yeah. The language is <laughs> we, we look askance at that. Uh, so hopefully we'll never have. We look askance. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about the niche stuff, the specialty items? Oh, like? man. There, there's a whole bunch of that. It's, you know, that for some folks, those specific things are really important. So sure. it's, I really don't want to like make it sound like they're, um, Everybody should be using this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want, I both don't want to say that everyone should be using it or to say, eh, it's not important. Because if you write, uh, JSON or, um, code, so if you write C sharp code, like you're doing a source generator or you're right. writing JSON, a literal JSON, then the rostering literals is the best thing in C sharp 11. You are in love. You absolutely love this. You're C-sharp. so happy. And yeah. that's the one that if you don't understand that problem, you go. Why would I need double this? quotes? Is that like three equal signs? I mean, it does start yeah. out with three three double quotes. And oh, by the way, you can use as many double quotes as you want. And right. so it's it's kind of this weird feature unless you have that problem, and then it saves your it just saves you. Um, yeah. And another one like that is UTF literals. So if you needed to make UTF literals, so a UTF in .NET is a um, it's uh, I have to get this right. It's a, um, it's a byte. I want that picture of the byte. Got that right. Uh, so it's a read only span of byte is the way people just started doing it. And now if you put UTF8, U8, U8 at the mm-hmm. end of your, uh, string, then it will be interpreted as a read only span of byte and double check that I've got the right thing it's converted to. Uh, but okay. we, we will convert that for you. So if you've been doing the new, we don't spend a byte, number, 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 number. This is the best thing since sliced bread for you and it's the <laughs> best feature of C sharp 11, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, you know, so this is, this is the set of things, auto default structs. Um, before, if you had a struct and it had a bunch of listed integers in it. You had to, in your constructor, actually go through each of the integers you didn't care about and go blah equals zero, blah one equals zero, blah two equals zero. And you don't have to do that anymore. So these are all features that for those people it affects, they're a big deal. But for a lot of people, they're like, I didn't even notice this was a problem. And that's what these, you know, we do all these extra things that are for niches and, and are important in those niches. So Right. Int pointers? Yeah, so we've just done a change because the the uh, the runtime added uh, they added support for pointers a type. There's now a type in the runtime for pointers, and we now use it. So again, that's something. In fact, that's something most people won't notice, um, but it is important under the hood for doing things in the right way inside. Uh, inside uh, and is that just for unsafe mode, or does that work? In other places, you know, it's not a space. I, I'm afraid I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it okay. would it would always work if you're using 
um, a, a NIT or an NUIT, but I don't mm-hmm. know where you use NIT and NUIT enough to give you a good mm-hmm. answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another thing we did, which was so I can support, that's kind of this weird thing, is we now have checked operators. And you're going, what the heck is that? So Checked if, operators? Is yeah, that what you said? Yes. So if you remember, for an int, if you, uh, if you add max, int max plus one, okay, then the behavior is based on a setting that's given to uh, the compiler. So uh, it can also be set in other ways. It's got to check keywords other ways. But your code is always has a checked or an unchecked state um, in order to manage uh, ints hitting the top of their range. There's a few other, that's basically it. There's a few other types um, that do that right. too. So you, that was just hard coded in. There was no way to manage that. And as we did the numeric work, it's like, well, now numbers are more of a thing. Numbers aren't just the, you know, 10 or so types, 20 types or whatever we've got. It's other stuff too. So right. now you can say, okay, this type has a checked and an unchecked state. And then that's going to reflect whether you roll over to the bottom, stay at the top. Uh, there's various different actions, but the person who's working on that type can define that. So yeah. Nice. So checked will be if it's in the checked state. Not having the checked will be all other conditions. If there isn't a checked operator, the normal operator is used. Okay. Yeah. That, it makes a lot of sense. Kathleen, what are you working on now? What's, uh, what's the next thing? Yeah. So right now, um, I, I'm always working on languages. I'm always, always working on, on stuff on that. And, uh, it's where we either have or about to put out for F sharp folks, um, some streams of work for the next, uh, period of time. It's pretty exciting. Uh, so we're going to be able to share that stuff, uh, for C sharp. We're tying down, uh, C sharp 11, starting to think about C sharp 12, starting to think about things like extensions and shapes and that kind of thing. So we've got all those things in play. What I'm personally doing, is I also work on system command line. It's been a labor of love for me for a long time. And I know folks are like, are you ever going to GA? And so I'm working <laughs> on GA on that. And, you know, it's really important to note what happened is that we had this API. We let it stabilize for a long time. A lot of people use it. It's very, very stable. But we kept these niggling things about the API that we weren't sure about. And then we had somebody come in and do a serious performance pass from the outside. Massive performance improvements. But as part of that, it was like, yeah, this API, it's causing a problem. It's using reflection. you got to get rid of it. So we did this big API change um, on that. And then we had another pass for trimmability. And we're having another pass. In fact, we're doing a review this week on the usability. So this, you know, it's been a lot of big things. But right now, we're really close to GA. And I'm hoping that we're going to do that the next couple of months. So that's a big part of what I'm doing. And now uh, the other thing is I'm working on the docs for incremental generators. And I just got to oh, wow. say, docs are hard. I, Bill Wagner does the C-sharp docs, and I respect him so much. But this yeah. is a small audience. And so we've decided it's going to be best if I do it because it's actually really hard stuff to write about. You've and been into code generation since we first met. I mean, yeah, I can't been, remember a time when you weren't. It's My book came out 20 years ago. So I wrote the book on this, and I wrote it 20 years ago. And nothing, I mean, it's been so exciting to see it change so much. Mm. And source, source generators in general are, they fundamentally change what a language means. When mm. you can say, my code, as I write it, can inspire and kick off a generator that will add additional code. And right. it is only on, um, you know, recognizable C-sharp things. So you have to have legal C-sharp to start with. 
and that makes some boundaries on it, which are actually good. It seems like, oh, well, that limits you. But it limits you in a way that you're able to say, okay, so this DSL is going to follow within the structure. It's going to have intelligence. It's going to have all these things. But I have to write it in a way that makes sense. And that is an art. I can't find any good, really good prior art that fits very well. So the embedded DSL space is fundamentally different if you're kicking off a generator than if it's just a normal embedded DSL. And so this space is super exciting. And the incremental generators uh, present this performance gain that is, we have to do. We just, the initial source generators would, are not going to, that we can't make them performant. But they're also really hard to write. And so right now people are writing them really badly sometimes. And, or they're not writing them. They're using old style generators. And all this is just going to be a performance problem for us in six months or a year if we don't get on top of it. So that right. is a huge passion uh, of mine around that. So that's the current on the agenda uh, things for me. Wow. You were always a big fan of code generation stuff. I, I have been. I've been doing this. Like I said, you know, I wrote the book on it, you know, now 20 years back ago. Back in the day. Yeah. Back, back in the day. So, and it's changed so much. But well, it's, yeah, Roslyn. It's, yeah, it's important to make a distinction here. And someone mentioned T4 earlier in the chat that there is, there's a lot of distinctions in the, in the generative space. And it's really important not to see it as one unified space because mm -hmm. it is not. Um, so the generation that we used to do was to say, we will take something. And then we will make an entirely new thing. We'll make a new class. We'll make something new. And the partial methods that were prior to C-sharp 9, or 9, I think, were not really adequate. And so we made a big change to partial methods uh, in the C-sharp 9 timeframe that really made them much more useful. But the real thing is putting it in the compiler. So the everything changes when you're going in and grabbing some code and creating something immediately adjacent to it, immediately available. So, for example, um, there's a case, the uh, system command line generator I'm writing, you type CLI dot and you give it a delegate. And at the point you give it the delegate, it looks for the name of that as a property to your CLI class that is the name of that function that your delegate pointed to. And so you can't do that prior to the source generators we're using today. At the same time, there is no option but to overwrite. So mm -hmm. if you want to just like get somebody started and then let them go, you can't use source generators. It's just not the right tool. So right. we do want to make sure that we keep looking at the generative space in all of its many aspects. And when somebody asks about T4, they're generally talking about I'm going to take a definition like a database definition and I'm going to create a full app from it. And that kind of generation, that's also not source, not incremental source generators as we use in the process. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a really interesting space and I wish I had time to write another book. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and speaking of time, that's something that we are unfortunately out of. So uh, thank you. Well, it's always, I always learn a whole lot when, when we talk Kathleen and uh, this is, no, oh, I'll have to come I, back sooner. It's been it's been too long. I really enjoy yeah. talking to y'all. Absolutely. Well, and hopefully the bullhorn part of this equation has helped too. Cause it's fun to get some input from the listeners and uh, mm. press against some ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again, Kathleen, and we'll see you next time. 
.NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.